0: This is KMTT. The week begins this uh, winter, Tavshin Ayn, with a shiur by Harav Yamin a series, weekly series, on a modern responsa of the 20th century, more or less, both the individual and the and the topic, Harav Yamin Reb David Svi Hoffman is mostly known as a scholar of Tanakh, Chumash in particular, and one who dealt with biblical criticism, defending our Tanakh. But he was also a great Amit Chacham who was asked many questions in Halacha. We will discuss today... His some of the chuvos of his sefer of sheilot chivot malamed laho'il. Rav David Sviyafin was born in 1843 and studied in the yeshivas in Hungary. He eventually moved to Germany, where he studied in the seminary that was founded by Rav Azriel Hildesheimer. He also had a secular education in various universities. In 1873, when he was 30 years old, he began to lecture in the Bet Midrash of Rav Hildesheimer, and his field was specifically Shas Poskim and also Torah Shebikhtav. We know that in 1899, he was appointed rector of the University of the seminary, but at the same time, he was considered the Av begsdin of the Kila Adat Yisrael in Berlin. Many, many questions were asked to him, and he was considered one of the leading, if not the leading, authority in Halacha in Germany at that time. Although he was a member of the Aguda, he was a pro-Zionist and spoke numerous times in favor of, of Zionism. His books on Chumash Vayikra and Devarim are extremely well known. He wrote against Belhausen, one of the great Bible critics, and published many articles, mainly in German, many of them have been translated, about Bible, Bible criticism and he was a scholar of Talmud a university type of scholar who wrote articles about Mechkara Talmud, but he was also known as a Tamid Chacham of the old school from the yeshivas that he learned in Hungary. When we read people who knew him and write about him, we can begin to appreciate how he was considered in the world of Torah as well. Rav Yechiel Yaakov Weinberg, who also taught in the seminary of Rav Hildesheimer, wrote in the introduction to Swedei Esh, and I am paraphrasing it in English, when Rav Hildesheimer passed away, the head of the Bet Midrash became his student and colleague, the great Gaon, Rabbi Dovitz there's no need to elaborate upon re- the scholarship of Rabbi, Rabbi Dovitz because he was a goon in Torah and one of the first of the religious scholars of what they called Wissenschaft, Chochmat Yisrael, and he's well known among all those circles. His Sefer that we're going to discuss today, Shivat Loil was recognized in the rabbinic world, in the first level of a, of a of a book of P'sak. His scholarly works in all areas of the Torah and Wissenschaft are basic works for any scholar, scholarly study. Other scholars have also have written about Ribdovitz David Zvi Hoffman, praising both his lumdus in yeshiva type of learning in, in, as a gon in Torah, and also as a great scholar. It should be pointed out that the Chuvas were printed between 1926 and 1932, three different volumes of tshuvos melamed la'oil. They are divided by Shulchan Aruch. The first volume, the only one we'll discuss today, is Tshuvas on In the Encyclopedia Judaica, they mentioned that he has a tendency to be Meikil in terms of the light of the place and time in which the Chuvash were written. Nevertheless, he was known as a violent opponent of Reform Judaism, and any question that would affect relationship to Reform was treated much more severely. The tshuvahs happen to be extremely short. In 129 pages of the first volume of Malamed Lawil, and it's a standard book volume, not a folio volume, there are 122 shailot tshuvot. Obviously, that means that many chuvot are very short. There are a few which are extended, but sometimes a chuva can be five lines. He quotes many sources, in fact, it's a rather amazing amount of different types of sources. He obviously quotes classical rabbinic literature, but also quotes journals that appeared in his time, books, were well, actually manuscripts that he had himself studied and brought to our attention. The tshuvas do reflect a time and a place, and we'll try today to discuss some of the tshuvos specifically that relate to time and place. One of the tshuvos that he was asked related to a takona made by Rav Israel Hildesheimer. Rav Hildesheimer had allowed and arranged to have, on Shabbos in the afternoon, to have Kriya Torah and the haftorah after they did that they would daven musaf and after musaf they would daven mincha with calling people to with Kriyasa Torah like we have even though there are there is a place to discuss whether this is permitted the assumption of rav of rav of rav davit is kvar the elderly both in terms of wisdom, and in terms of lambdas, Rav Azriel Heldesheimer Paskind, and therefore, it's okay. He quotes a sefer called Torah Schayim, again, a sefer with which I'm not familiar, who apparently questioned such a, a custom. Now, what's interesting, of course, is why was this done? Why did they make such a takana? And in Germany... In those days, and we don't have the exact date of this tshuva, but we do know the tshuvas was printed in 1924. So it's well before Nazi Germany. But nevertheless, there was an edict, a law in Germany, that school must be attended on Shabbat, on Saturday as well. And the students had to come to the school in the days of Rav Hildesheimer, assumedly this was true, in the days of Rav, Rav Hoffman, he said clearly, an students who were required to go to the gymnasia on Shabbat, as well as other schools, had a problem. They were religious Jews. There are other reports of their going to school on Shabbat, and having to work a situation where they would not write, they did not take notes, they couldn't write tests on Shabbos, but they did attend classes. And therefore the question was asked, could they read in the afternoon? Now, Rav Hoffman quotes the Dogal Nervava, written by the Noda B'Yehudah, says clearly, that if you have an occasion where they did not read Torah in the morning, and the afternoon you could, then you do read the whole parsha, And you read seven, seven alias. The quote from the of Mevava does not mention anything about the Haftorah, and we'll get back to that later. The Mishnah Bruah, quoted by Rav Hoffman, says that they should read the Torah before Mincha, and afterwards say Asher Yavala Dav Mincha regularly. However, Rav Hoffman points out this is in the case that one time because of some unusual circumstance, they could not he- read it in the morning. but it would be difficult to institute such a takana to do every Shabbos. However, in order in order that the idea of Kriyasa Torah should not be forgotten, so they made such a takana, that they daven Musaf afterwards, and even though, according to strict law, perhaps we should not permit this, but he uses the concept "Eit la'asot l'Hashem Sometimes the greater good means to forego the letter of the law, in order to do la l'Hashem." And based upon the chu the takan of Rabbi Ziel, Hildesheimer, Rabbi Hoffman permitted it. However, this question was reiterated in another Tshuva, number Nun Aleph, where it seems the question was not asked specifically, we just have the answer, but it seems the question was, could you read the Haftorah, un Minchon Shabbos, even if you don't lay? Could you just get up and read the Haftorah with the brachas? And there he answers, it's clear that you cannot do that. The din of the Haftorah is only after you read the Torah. But then he suggested perhaps you could read the Torah after after Mincha, after the Kriasatara of Mincha. The Mishnah does have a concept of Haftorah and Shabbos and Mincha, but we know from the Gemara and Shabbos that they read the Torah in the afternoon. Tosva says they only read Ksuvim. They did not read the Haftorah of Shabbos. They read a different Haftorah. Rashi quotes the on him that they could read ten psukim, but this custom has become abolished and therefore we cannot do it anymore and therefore we should not make a bracha. Even according to the original custom he questions whether this would be an acceptable practice, but The bottom line is he said only on Yom Kippur and on fast days do we have a custom of reading the Haftarah at Mincha. And you cannot read the Haftarah at Mincha but you could do what we said originally read the entire seven aliyos in the morning, in the afternoon before Mincha read the Torah with Haftarah with the brachos and then you would have in Musaf and then you would have in Mincha afterwards. And again he reiterates the language of the original Chuva Eit Lasot Lashem Hefe Techa. One of the questions that come came up in Germany, but certainly came up in other countries, in that area, in general in Europe, was the question of when we would could start Shvuot. Now we know that there's a dinner of sviata Omer of counting temimot, t- counting complete days. And there is a custom that's mentioned in the ran in Psachim that you should actually start counting Sfira early, earlier than usual on the first night that you count Sfira, in order to that the entire time should be included in the concept called temimot. Because of that, many people feel that Shavuos should not be started. You cannot start Shavuos until the Tzimimos are complete. And therefore you have to wait to Davin mariv on Shavuos until Tzisek Now, this presents a problem in the countries where nighttime at that time of the year is very late. In the Tshuva, number Kuf, yut, kuf chet, of the Melamed La'awil, he mentions that skia, or actually Ben Hashmashal's, would be approximately 9.20 at night. Now, if you consider that today, in many of the uh, European countries, we would have a daylight savings time, so that would mean that you could not in Marev until 10.20. In fact, I spent a year in England a few years ago, and the shul in which I davened, they really did daven Marev, at 10.20, which creates major problems because you don't get home from shul, let's say, until 11 o'clock if you daven in quickly. And then you, the children, uh, to, it's very difficult to keep them up to eat Sudas Yantif together to your kid and have Sudas Yantif together. And then, let's say you finish your meal by 12, 12.30. So that's when the Mishmah of the night of Shavuot would, would start. And in some of those countries, the morning would begin, at, let's say 2.33, the whole mishmar comes out to be two hours, two and a half hours, till you start having Shachris, which is exactly what happened uh, when, uh, in my case in, when I was in London. So the question was asked from a Rav Ochanan Gumpertz of the community of Hamburg. And he asked that it is true that Taz, the Muggen Avram, said you should wait to Daven, at least you wait with Kiddush so he said but since we 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 don't do exactly of the Ran, do we have to do what they say about the end of Sephira, something that's not mentioned in the Gemara and Rabbi Hoffman answered that the question who the person who asked the question Actually, had the same intention as Rabbi Yaakov Emdin in his sefer Maruktzia. In that sefer, he does say that early you should the first night of Sfira you should count Sfira early to make it Tvimos. But at the end of Sfira, in his Siddur, the Rabbi Yaakov Emdin Siddur called Beis Yaakov, he said it's only a rather weak diuk of Achronim. And even to the people that really want to take that into consideration, they should wait with a meal till t'sesik Chavim. But when they daven mariv, they could daven early. LaHosef kodesh, for And then Rabbi Hoffman attempts to explain what's the difference between the beginning of Svir and the end of Svir. And he adds a very interesting idea. I think it's a, an easily debated idea. But he argues that the days of Sfira have a certain type of kedusha. We know the Ramban in Chumash quotes, quoted by Rav Hafman, says that Sfira, in a sense, is like Chalamoid between Pesach and Shavuos, since it has kedusha. So you should add to the kedusha of Sfira by counting early the first night. After all, the first night is already not. A day of Kedush, while well, it is Chalamoid, but not a Kedush of Yom Tov. And we want to add the Kedush of sfera, so we can begin it a little bit early. But at the end, Rav Hoffman argues if you do Davin Ma'ariv early, so you accept Yantiv before, so it is still within the concept of the 49th day, although you've Davin Ma'ariv and somehow you've added kedusha to the day of sfera. His assumption is that somehow the day of sfera continues even though you've Davin Ma'ariv. And therefore, he says it would be acceptable to Davin Marav early. On the other hand, since Achronim, as we quoted the Magen Avraham, Taz, that, that he quoted originally, say that it is proper to wait later. So I said, you should at least be makil to Davin before Tzisek You should wait till Ben Hashmashas. After all, Sfirah today is the Rabbanan. And we say Lakula, therefore Bin would be considered nighttime. Of course, he didn't mention that there is a tremendous machlokas about this point. The Ramam thinks Svia today is Daraisa. It's the in Menachas that says Svir is Rabbanan, and there might be other opinions as well. Therefore, the bottom line I saw in other sources that you do not have to wait till Tesikhavim and Rav Hoffman ends the tshuva by saying Rachmana libabay. The, the main thing is to have the proper intention here and you can make Kiddush bein a quote that he took from the Yosef Ometz, which was shown to him by a certain Rav Elchanan, the uh, original person who asked the question, apparently. A third issue that I'd like to mention, also because the question really should be a question that was asked in the time uh, hundreds of years ago and somehow became popular only when transportation travel became much more rampant, which was already asked in Germany in those years. And the question is relating to people who traveled from Chutzlaretz to Israel or from Eretz Israel to Chutzlaretz and really were not sure if they should keep one day yantif or two days Yantif. Now, today, of course, since planes, jet planes, people, many people travel to Israel for Yantif, the question became very important. Many people expressed their opinions, and I would always like to point out that the Din itself is not mentioned in the Shulchan Aruch completely. One side of the Din only is mentioned. The Shulchan Aruch paskins that if a ben eretz Israel, is an Israeli, is found in Chutzlartz on Yantif, he may not do malacha at all on the second day of Yantif. and the Shulchan Aruch does not distinguish between Bitsina or betharhesia. He simply states that a ben Chutzlartz, a ben eretz Israel who is in Chutzlartz, cannot do malacha on the on the second day of Yantov. And the Mishnah Vura, for example, says even betzina, not like the Taz. The Taz is one minority opinion that said, betzina you can do Malacha. The overwhelming majority of postgames say that you cannot do Malacha in Yom sheini in Chutzlaritz, even betzina. But the Shulchan Aruch did not say how you daven, and the Shulchan Aruch did not relate to the other case where the person in Chutzlaritz comes to Eretz Yisrael how he should deport himself. Rav Hoffman was asked about this and he said since there is a a controversy about how what you should do so therefore he has the suggestion of being Machmir which is today what is called the day and a half. Some people think a day and a half means at, at the afternoon, in the morning you have to keep Yantif, in the afternoon you don't have to keep Yantif. Of course that's a joke. It means that you're Machmir to keep in the Chumrus of Yantif, and the Chumrus of Weekdays. What is interesting remarkably about this particular tshuva, he mentions the Rav of Warsaw, who had a specific list, detailed list, of how to act in such a circumstance. Now, I think today there might be other uh, books and articles that have describe exactly what to do. But generally, the post scheme just said you should keep a day and a half, keep two days, keep one day. But they did not specify all kinds of issues that occur on each day. And here, he has the list, detailed list, of the Rav of Warsaw, Rav Chaim Yaakov Zilberberg, who wrote this list to Dr. Moshe Orbach, who asked the question, And I find that the list is very interesting because there are things here that I I feel are quite original and I was not familiar with them before. For example, on the last day of Yom Tov, what we would call in Israel, Yisru in America, in Chutzler, it's in general, it's called Achron Shepesach. So he said you should dive in a regular Shmoness, right? You say Yatakanantanu, but you say Ya Levi. I don't know where I've ever seen that before. You say Ya Loveyva, but he says you should skip one word. Bro you sometimes you say uh Ya Lavya Viev B'yom Chag Khagamatos Hazet Don't say Hazet. You say Chag chagamatos? And then you can continue davening, the rest of davening. He said, you do daven a weekday Shema but Yasei Yala He suggests that you should hear Kiddush from someone else, and say Yala In the morning, you should put in tefillin with Adab Bracha and daven at home. But you should say Pesuk e Zimra of Shabbos, and you should say Nishmas, with a weekday Shema and say, Yalav This uh, list, which seems to be approved by Rabbi David Zvi Hoffman, seemed to me to be very new, and very original. Another question, again, that would be obviously important at that time in Germany, but is is, is important too, today, relates to a Kohen, who studied medicine. And he took courses which involved autonomy. Therefore, he came in contact with Mesim. And the question would be, how to relate to him? Can we call him up to the Torah? In the beginning of the Tshuva, Rav Hoffman quotes for Shulchan Aruch, that says a Kohen who defiles himself becomes Tamei Lameis, should not be treated with Kedush kuna unless he accepts upon himself not to do it again, which is a Knast rabbanan. Rabbanan imposed a sort of a sanction against him, and then he quotes various chuvas, the Yudayale, the Ksav Sofer. He does mention that perhaps he should be considered a Shogik, Because the Kohen probably thinks since he's studying medicine in order to cure other people he thinks it might be permitted. Or perhaps he thinks a dead body of a non-Jew is not metame, And there are certain opinions like that. So at one point Rabbi Hoffman discusses whether there is a mitzvah of tochecha in such a case to... Try to stop him from doing it. And then, of course, we would have to discuss is there a possibility that he'll listen, or we are sure that he will not listen? And if it's something that's mefurash batorah, would we have to tell him even if he doesn't listen? And would this be considered mefurash batorah? And this would be a, a general important discussion. And in a rather brief tshuva, Rabbi Hoffman does. Relate to all those issues, but at the end, he call, he says, "Let's remember that when the person himself thinks that he doesn't think he, he doesn't he doesn't think he's doing an avera at all. It's not that he does an avera, but maybe he'll stop. Maybe he doesn't stop. He thinks it's not an avera. And then Rabbi Hoffman points out." This is really the opinion today of all those people who sin in such a way; they don't consider it a sin. They sin. They think it's a heter, although it's a rather weak heter. They think it's a heter. So, therefore, the question of tochecha of rebuke would not apply, according to his reasoning. But the question would only be if you should come to the Torah. So he says, since it's only a shogek, maybe we could call him to the Torah. If he knows that it's Asr, then we should not call him to the Torah. Because then we would be supporting him. The bottom line is it would be best not to call him to the Torah. But it would be better to, in a case where the Gabbai would call him to the Torah, it's better just to be quiet, rely on the fact that he's a show and allow him to be called to the Torah. The last question that we'll deal with briefly today is one that we've seen in other tshuvos, very, very rampant question almost every serious posthick of the 20th century, is how to relate to a person who's Mechal al-Shabbos in our generation. The question was asked specifically that the person who davens for the amud. Are Mechel Shabbos occasionally, and could we count them for a minion? And he points out that the custom was that you should, that you do count them to a minion, even though, according to the letter of the law, it would seem that you are not allowed to count them for a minion. Nevertheless he points out that in our generation the custom is to be mekel. Now what was interesting in terms of history at the time, he writes bizman hazeh laakel af Ungaran u mikol Ashkenaz. The custom is to be mekel even in Hungary where some, uh, uh, the, assumedly the, where there was a more humra type of approach but for sure in Germany. And one time, Rabbi Hoffman pointed out he remembered a, a, a case where a person who kept his store open on Shabbos and was a member of the community of the Kaladas Israel, and he davened on before the Amud and Shul. The Gabbai then spoke to him very politely and nicely, and asked him not to daven. So, what he because the community was not happy with it, and therefore the person went to a different Shul. To a shul called Chevat Shas and even though the Gabbai there was also very firm they allowed him to daven for the Amod. When I asked the Gabbai why he didn't stop him, he said, this is the Minig in our shul for many, many years we don't stop people from davening and there must be good reasons for it and he, of course he quotes the Chuva of the Rabbi Yaakov Etlinger, that today in our generation we might not have any real concept of the Mechal Shabbos, they might all be considered Tino k'shenishba. But Rav Hoffman argues one more comment, also issuing a time that relates, a, a statement relating to the time. He said, let's remember that in America today, they're all Tinoch Shanishba. Now this Rav David Zvi Hoffman, who lived in Germany, assumed in America, <clears throat> I guess in the 20s, 30s, that they're all Tinoch Shanishba. Shanishba. Then he gave another argument, perhaps an original argument that he says Mikhail mechal shabbos for Hesia, is a person who's poish minatzibur. He separated himself from the community of people mechal shabbos. That's only when the community as a whole does keep shabbos. But when most of the people don't keep shabbos, in fact, the few individuals who considered who, who do keep shabbos are considered charedim. They're considered prushim muvdalim, and the regular people are the norm. He says, perhaps they're not even Mechal Shabbos at all. That's a, a an unusual new argument. The bottom line, Rav Hoffman says, is you should try to go to a different shul without shaming people, without disgracing people, and not rely on the heter. But, if necessary, you can rely on the heter to allow a Mechal Shabbos to be counted for minion, and as we pointed out, in one shul, even to daven for the amod.